0: This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster.
1: All right, hello everybody and welcome to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. To my right, that's Ryan Shumpert. Across the table, that's Jack Foster. Good morning to you both. Today is Thursday, November 2nd. We are getting ready here for week 10 the college football season.
0: Can you believe that we're already in double digits? I guess so. I mean, you keep on asking us every week if we can believe that it's the week we're in. So I feel like you're giving me nice reminders of what week we're in every week. So yeah, oh, I, c- I, I can't believe. I okay, can't believe. It. That's
1: fair. I, it's it's flying by. I, I even despite the traveling and the the back to back weeks of traveling was certainly a, a a tough little stretch there. But it. it I mean, or only four, se- four weeks left of the season. It's
2: it's yeah. kind of crazy. Jack, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well, man, but not as good as you. As uh, it was Victory Thursday last week. I wasn't gonna week, but bring this it is, up. I wasn't gonna this bring is it up. Is other level Victory Thursday for you today, Rick. Thank you, thank you. Texas Rangers are the World Series champions.
1: First time Champion in history. Story. Yeah. First time in history. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Waited a long time for this. Certainly. So that was pretty fun. Thank you very much, Jack. Uh, Oh, he's taking a little bit of a victory lap on, on some of the
2: haters out there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> all the Ranger haters. I know exactly what he's
0: going to say. I'm just going to roll my eyes. Oh, I don't. What? Oh, I thought you were going to make a... John Smoltz? Yeah. He's a hater. Yeah. He's a hater. Rick, like every single baseball fan in America, including all the Braves fans, thinks John Smoltz hates their team. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing. Like I I don't know about these other teams. I don't care about these other teams. I all I have are
1: two series of back-to-back empirical evidence that tells me otherwise. I think that would
2: be numerical evidence, but you get what I'm saying here. Well, hey, shout out Evan Carter, East Tennessee kid. That's World right. Series champion. Yeah. Tennessee 21 kid.
0: years old. That's super cool. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. They had
1: a uh, and, uh some, I saw somebody do a write-up on him and that was that was pretty cool. Had the most doubles in the postseason. Wow. He got on base like 17 straight games or something. It, it was pretty wild. Yeah. And then Tony Vitello gets to uh, kind of add a add a ring to his World Series
2: family with Max Scherzer. How many rings is that for Scherzer now? Two.
0: Just a two, I think. He Washington with Washington. Now nah, he yeah.
2: didn't win it with LA. No, he wasn't on that team. No, no. He right
0: was. On. I think he was on the Detroit team that lost in the either the ALCS or the World Series. Gotcha. Can't remember yeah, what I that think would he, have been. I think but the right early there. 2010s teams. I think he was on that team. But no World Series win.
1: was. Do you know if if Tony Vitello was in Arizona for that one game that he pitched? Uh,
0: I I couldn't tell. I didn't see him. I I'm not. Know. I'm not sure. Um. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll see. Obviously, he was injured uh, or ended up getting injured. Right. Yeah. Like yesterday. Uh, yeah. They put him on the. Took him off the. Took active. him off the active roster. Yeah. But didn't make a difference. They didn't yeah. get to when he would have pitched again anyway. How about Degrom getting a? <laughs> That's right. In the ring. How about the Mets
1: fans who who have to sit there and they thought those were the two that were going to carry them and then they both get a ring together just <laughs> on the other side of the country? Well, I won't I won't hang around and linger on this too much. Thank you for uh, thank you for bringing that up. It's a fun day today. My wallet has already taken a hit uh, as of about 30 minutes after the game last night. So we're we're rolling today. We're having fun, but. We're also going to be rolling into a game coming up this Saturday against UConn. And then, hey, two days after that, just to throw this on your radar as well, Tennessee basketball opens up their season on Monday, November 6th. That'll be right here in Knoxville against Tennessee Tech. In case you want to know about Tennessee basketball, well, you're in luck. Ryan and I recorded about a 50-minute podcast yesterday, a full-season preview of the Tennessee basketball team. Ryan, we hit about every topic I could possibly think of for that preview.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, A number of things kind of in a mailbag style preview podcast, looked at rotations, looked at the transfers, looked at the philosophy of this team, if they're capped by what they've done in the past or, or not, and whether we think what will and won't change about what Tennessee does this year. So uh, hit a ton of stuff, and I think, not to toot our own horn, but a pretty good preview pod. Uh, before Monday's season opener against Tennessee Tech. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening
1: to this podcast right now, well, then that one is not very far away. Just go back and look through the feed wherever you are right now. Or, hey, in case you're a YouTube audio listener, you can go and check out the full podcast over on YouTube as well. Again, that one's audio only, but it's the same show, same information, same talk from Ryan and I. So, of course, make sure you go and check out RTI Press Pass Tennessee basketball season preview. Season starts on Monday, going to be a big one Going to be a big weekend for Tennessee, although I'm not necessarily sure the opponents are going to strike as much fear into the hearts of of people as maybe Tennessee's two opponents did last week, right, with Kentucky and Michigan State, but you still get two games for the Tennessee fan base coming up this weekend. Guys, I want to dive into UConn. Interesting, one <laughs> a one in seven team coming into Knoxville, uh, a non SEC opponent, kind of right here towards the end of the season. Coming up this Saturday afternoon, twelve o'clock noon PM. It's going to be homecoming right here in Knoxville, so the festivities will be out, the parades, the banners are hanging down on the stadium. Um, but UConn coming into town.
2: Yeah, this matchup, I think you know UConn surprisingly made a bowl game last year uh, under Jim Mora, and you know you see UConn on the schedule. Obviously, you're not worried about it, but Thinking, okay, UConn maybe can flirt with five hundred again this season. Well, that hasn't been the case. Yeah, it's been they've played some ACC teams close, lost by seven to Boston College and ten to NC State in their opener. Um, got throttled by Duke, but Duke's been good this year. So UConn hasn't been just absolutely dumpster fire this year, but they just haven't been able to win games. And they're one and seven rolling into Knoxville. Um, they've been better the last couple of weeks, but. You know, as I said, this is not a team that's going to keep the game close, in my opinion.
0: I agree, and, and Jack hit the nail on the head. It was surprising last season when Jim Mora in his first year got UConn back to a bowl game, and I think you're kind of, you know, seeing the, the regression to the mean here. They UConn won a lot of close games last year and didn't really lose many close games, and this year it's basically been a reverse. I mean, their one win was a touchdown win, and besides the Georgia State game and the Duke game, Every other game on a schedule. I mean, UConn has played their opponent competitively, yeah. at least. And, and the score can obviously be a little misleading in some of those cases. But I actually did watch that NC State game week one because it was Thursday night game, flipping yeah. over there a little bit. And that game was, you know, definitely not that U- UConn was winning for a lot of it, but they were in the game basically the entire time. So it's a team that's better than the one in seven record looks. But at the same time, it's not, still not a team that. You should expect to play with Tennessee. Tennessee should win this one rather easily. Uh, it shouldn't be a competitive game on homecoming. And I guess the other thing, we, we didn't mention it specifically, but UConn lost to South Florida two weeks ago. I wonder if Josh Heupel's made any, any calls down yeah. to Alex Golis. Oh, wow. Day. I hadn't even I haven't even thought about that connection. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe some – some probably some re- – maybe uh, if there's a regular call or there have been some occasional calls between the two. Yeah, if they've stayed in touch. They've stayed in touch. I don't think if they – I haven't been talking much during the season. Heifel's been make a point. Yeah, Heifel's been make a make a point to get some uh, some info on UConn from Alex Golish. <laughs> but yeah, if, they, if they're talking every week or every couple weeks, I'm sure it might have come up in, in conversation. Yeah. So game like this,
1: right? Tennessee kind of gets to get back home. I think that's one important thing, and that's something that Josh Heifel talked about. There was a little bit of excitement in the building just because, again, back to back road weeks and challenging environments. He come back home, get to play in front of the fans. What are we kind of looking for in this game? I, I, like you guys have been saying, and I certainly yeah. agree, maybe not going to be a competitive game for, for very long. uh what are, you, what are you looking for? And I got some quotes here from Joey Halsey to kind of tie some things together, but open question to start things off.
2: Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, just a couple of things. I'm looking for Tennessee secondary to bounce back, and this is a good matchup to do it. UConn's not a team that's going to light the world on fire of passing the football. They're a run-first offense. They got two good running backs who have been averaging over five yards to carry on the season. One has been averaging 72 yards a game, so it's two guys to keep an eye on. But I'm just looking for Tennessee secondary to bounce back after the bad performance last week. Looking for Nico, a healthy dose of Nico, and I'm just looking for trends to continue that have been positive for Tennessee. Milton continue to play well, Dante Thornton to continue being involved.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head with all of all those, and the secondary was one that stood out to me. You want to see the past defense be better after struggling last week, and especially given what's up next week in uh, a road trip to Missouri and a, a really good passing offense. So you want to see those guys bounce back, gain a little bit of momentum, and I would even go a step further. I'd like to see some of the freshmen at corner. I'd like to see Ricky Gibson, maybe some Jordan Matthews or Christian Conyer, but uh, especially Ricky Gibson because he seems like he's been the guy that's the first one up of the freshmen. And not that I think that you just have to insert him as a starter or anything, but if the secondary is going to struggle, if secondary struggling against Missouri and secondary is struggling uh, against Georgia and, and Vanderbilt, the corners aren't playing well. Get Ricky Gibson in there. You know, he's he's talented. Uh, obviously he's just a freshman. He's going to be a guy that's going to play a lot of snaps for Tennessee going forward. And it's something that we've talked about some, you know, probably more in the offseason of how Tennessee just did not have any separation at corner. And they finally got that with Kamal Haddon. Well, if you don't have that now, and if the gap's negligible, let the young, talented guy play and figure some things out, especially in this game uh, against a not very good passing attack in a game. These things going to be lopsided. So that's what I'm looking for. I think everything you said on the offensive side is absolutely right is... Not a very good pass defense, not a very good pass rush. Secondary struggled at times this year for UConn. So you want to see Joe Milton, who's probably, to me, coming off his two best games of the year. He's looked more comfortable. He's done a lot of the the ways Tennessee's offense has been limited. Early in the season, he's been better at the last few weeks. So you want to see him continue that. You want to see Dante Thornton go out there and put together another game where it doesn't have some drops and and does some things positive. So I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what kind of defensive rotations we'll get. And I I do think we'll see plenty on that side of the ball. And that's something that you've seen from Tennessee already just in SEC games. But I do think that'll be an amplified thing that we see coming up this Saturday. Offensively, though, I, I... I absolutely think that we are going to see rotations and stuff. But let me let me read you guys out this quote from Joey Halsley on Monday. See maybe what you guys think about this because I, I did think that this was fascinating in the moment. Uh, and I want to know what y'all think. This is Joey Halsley on how important it is to get younger guys in to figure out what you have during non conference games. Quote We need to go out, uh, we need to go put together a really good performance and handle our business. If other guys get the opportunity to play, that's great. It's all about going and rolling out there with our group and putting together a product on the field, which is the way that our offense can and should play out there. That's the biggest focus we are looking at on this one. It's a huge game for us as far as that stands. To me, that's kind of saying... Hey, we understand that, that this is you know not maybe not an opponent that's on the level of the others that we played. We want our first-team offense to go out there. We want them to run efficiently. We want them to handle their business. We want them to get in a groove, to find a rhythm, and then we'll play those other guys, right? Because yeah. that one line to me that, that stands out is, if other guys get the opportunity to play, that's great. But that doesn't sound to me like like that's a you know uh, focus uh, yeah the biggest priority of the game I, I think that tennessee really wants to use this opportunity to get things rolling and to get a lot of confidence building into these last three games which involve two top 12 opponents
2: yeah just keep firing on all cylinders right and it's something they didn't do against austin p and they didn't have the luxury of getting those rotations they probably would have liked and right now i mean as you said that's not a priority it's certainly more of a priority early in the season i think to get younger guys reps and to see who what you got but at this point when you have two big games coming up, you want to make sure that your first-team offense is where it needs to be so when they go on the road next yeah. week against a very tough Missouri opponent, they'll be in good shape and have confidence rolling in, and of course, the Georgia game. So, I, I agree.
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the all-time Nick Saban rants. Uh, when The media's asking them about getting young guys playing time. It's like, what, are you ta- what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean it's going to be a blowout? You can't have that mindset in. It kind of goes hand-in-hand with hand. Josh Ibel talked about it last week going into the Kentucky game, and he was asked about it again on Wednesday on the SEC Coaches Teleconference after getting the win, how his team is able was has been able to respond to tough losses and play well the next game, and then kind of the same way, respond to big wins and play well the next game. And he talks about it's about messaging. It's about the coaches coming in and carrying themselves the same way and having the same mindset every single week. And obviously this is an example of that. If your coaches are coming in here putting the emphasis on young players playing and getting opportunities for those guys, your messaging is changing because of the opponent. And that's not the consistency that Josh Heupel has emphasized that the coaches have to have week to week uh, that he hopes will then trickle down to his team and his team will have it. And I think he even said the line that the players might not listen to you, but they'll follow what you do. They'll they'll be able to pick up on that stuff. So, yeah, to me, that's no surprise that he said that. I think most coaches would probably be like that. And Jack makes a good point, too, that at this time of the year, Especially with two, really the two toss-up games left on Tennessee's schedule, and toss-up's probably not not a true form for Georgia because Tennessee will probably be double-digit underdogs in that game. But you know the two big games left on Tennessee's schedule coming right up after this one. Yeah. It's about getting things rolling uh, at the absolute best you can going into the two games that, in some form or fashion, will kind of decide the season. I mean, they'll decide the season because they're the last games. But if Tennessee goes one and one. Everyone will say, yeah, pretty good season. They go 2-0. and It'll be a fantastic season again. And if they yeah. go 0-2, people will say it's been a little bit of a disappointment. So uh, certainly I think that all makes sense.
1: Yeah, I hear you there on all that. And again, I, I think we'll see plenty of rotation on the defensive side of the ball just because that's what's common. That's what we're used to. Uh, and on the offensive side, they're going to get their guys working. They're going to get everybody on the right page. And I do think that's important because let's just look at last week in particular, right? Tennessee's offense runs on the field for the first time, and we're all going, whoa, you see that over there? It's Dante Thornton lining up on the outside, right? Which was a first. Then you come back here on Monday. We get our weekly depth chart for the UConn game, as we do for each game every week. And Dante Thornton, for the first time, is listed as a potential starting receiver on the outside instead of just the backup slot receiver to Squirrel White. So Josh Heupel talked about it this week. Joey Halsley talked about it this week. They feel like Dante Thornton is more comfortable on the outside, or at least that he you could see it on tape that he was in the Kentucky game. I think we all saw that with our own eyes. Dante Thornton, even even with just a couple of receptions, I believe it was only three, he leads Tennessee in receiving yards against Kentucky. What do you guys think of this move to kind of shift Dante Thornton to the outside? Coaches seem to be raving about it. What have you guys seen? Well,
2: here's my thing. I think outside of score-wide, Dante Thornton is your most talented wide receiver at this point, with that, with Bruce McCoy hurt. So, If it wasn't working in the slot, if Dante Thornton just wasn't picking up what he needed to pick up and he wasn't playing well as well as he needed to play to be on the field, then move him outside. Try to get something out of that talent is what I'm saying. Like He's so naturally gifted and fast and can a difference maker. That's what he is. So if they're finding ways to utilize him and if that's moving him outside, then I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I would even go a step further. Of I think they were too committed to playing him in slot. Like they just had their idea. This is what they're going to do. And yeah. certainly, you know, I understood it. I mean, we talked about it all preseason. Squirrel White is a, a true sophomore. He's super small. You wonder how he's going to be able to hold up over a full season, especially if he's playing every single snap. But to Jack's point, especially when Brew McCoy went down, Squirrel White was no doubt their best receiver. He's probably their best pass catching receiver. If you want to just. Purely look at that anyway. Uh, and they got nothing from Dante Thornton. Dante Thornton was clearly not good in the slot. And he played out wide at Oregon. And that, so you, I guess I say all that to say, I don't understand how it took him It's to 10, it's week 10. So last week was, uh, or game 10, I guess. Is it game 10 or week 10? This is game nine okay. coming up right now. So week I don't, 10. I don't get how it took him nine games to figure out <laughs> that Dante Thornton's more comfortable uh, playing out wide. And they made that switch. I know he was banged up a little bit uh, in the time around that Brew McCoy went down, but I would have thought it would have been a full-fledged switch then, and I'm sure he was working there in practice, but even the, what would it be, the A&M game and the Alabama game? Was there another one that was South Carolina when Brew McCoy got hurt? Even in those two games. South it's the one that he missed too. (laughs) Yeah, when we saw Dante Thornton in those two games, he wasn't playing out wide. He was playing in the slot. So, uh, to me, this kind of feels like, Certainly not too little, too late, because there's a lot of time left in the season. Uh, it's just a move that I'm surprised wasn't made earlier, especially when you saw Dante Thornton look the best he has all season against Kentucky playing out wide. And the fact that it wasn't just him playing out wide. I mean, he played the majority of the snaps in that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, that, that word comfortability kind of keeps coming back to mind. And, and you could just tell from watching it in li- you know, in-game live, but you could also tell on the tape going back through and watching the replay he was more comfortable, right? His breaks were clean. That one play where he connects with Joe Milton on one of Joe Milton's best plays of the season—that that unbalanced throw across the middle. Yep, man, that was just that was a really talented receiver making a great play, but obviously a great play by Joe to set him up as well. But I agree. I I think that's certainly one of the key words that keeps coming back to me. Here's what Joey Halsley had to say about Dante Thornton playing outside against Kentucky and that long reception that he had that we just mentioned.
0: Yeah, Dante. Um... Putting him outside, it just is. You could see it on tape. He was just more comfortable originally, right from the snap with it. Um, that's why he played really well out there. He had his best game of the season by far. He, uh, the one that you're talking about was was a scramble drill. He was running that curl, and then Joe scrambled to the left and kind of directed
2: him back inside because he felt the dead spot. Um, the best part about it was that was a contested catch that was coming outside in on him, dove in front of him, took his vision as he was getting ready to catch it.
0: He stuck his hands out, caught it, and then straight vertical, and you saw him start to make a big run down the field right there. So <laughs> it was it was really good to see the competitive catch and an off-schedule situation where this isn't how we've coached it, planned it, practiced it. Just react, make a play, and then go get big yards after the catch it was good to see.
1: There you go. That is Joey Hosley talking about Dante Thornton playing outside for Tennessee's offense. He also had another interesting thought though. And this was one that, that Ryan, we talked about after the the press conference, and we talked a a little bit about through the week. I know you wrote about this over on com, but he also talked about how the running game of Joe Milton is sort of helping him early into these games. I I think you've seen that more in the last couple weeks. He's taken off. He's using his legs, particularly in that Alabama game. I thought that was a really good wrinkle that maybe the Crimson Tide weren't necessarily prepared for as much on defense. Alabama had Tennessee's running backs, I mean, bottled up the entire game what they weren't as prepared for was that running game from Joe Milton. You've seen it used a little bit more as we um as we've kind of moved through the season here. But that was something that Joey Halsey said he said, you know, we, we really feel like Joe Milton gets a little bit more comfortable when he can take that hit or he can kind of deliver that hit early into a game. It, it maybe helps him settle in. What did you think of uh what did you think of that that quote, that kind of thought from Joey Halsey coming up this week?
0: Well, it makes sense. We've heard you know, it's, a, it's somewhat common, not necessarily every quarterback, but a lot of times uh, that's said about quarterbacks that so they like to take the first hit. And it's not necessarily always designed runs, but you talk about getting hit, throwing the ball. Uh, You know, quarterbacks like that, that gets them in the, in the flow of the game. And, and certainly it, we've seen that play out. Uh, only twice this year has Joe Milton had double digit carries. It's in each of the last two games. He had nine carries against Virginia in the season opener. Um, and a lot of or less there in the middle of the season too. So that's something we haven't seen or we've seen a market uh, uptick of in the last two games. So that yep. makes sense. You know, I kind of go back to the same thing I said with Dante Thornton of how'd it take – you got 40 people coaching football in that facility. How'd it take him three years to figure out <laughs> that Joe Milton <laughs> yeah. likes to get hit early in games? Yeah, But, you know, again, it's not quite too little too late on it. So uh, they figure it out. Again, Milton has played his best two games the last two weeks. Does that you know is that a direct correlation? You know, solely just from that fact, I don't know. That would probably be too small of a sample size to say that for sure. But it is something to watch going forward, and it is something that I think we'll probably see a good bit of. And this week, it could be particularly curious or particularly interesting because I don't think you're going to run Joe Milton a lot yeah. against UConn from the injury standpoint. And you know, I've said a lot. Joe Miller's not playing well enough that you can worry about the injury aspect of him running the football. Well, in this game, you can't because you're not going to lose to UConn. So uh, this week, it'll be interesting, and I think it'll be especially telling if they run him on a few design quarterback runs early in the game and then kind of back off it uh, going into the the rest of the game in the second half. Yeah,
1: I hear you there. Here's exactly what Joey Halsey said. Quote, I do think it helps him settle into the game. Absolutely. He said that himself. He likes to get a couple carries early and kind of feel like he is in the flow of the game. Yeah, that absolutely is factored into it. The other part is, just like what I'm saying, he is seeing defenses really well right now. He's doing a really good job with his eyes. Starts with your eyes, and and now you can get your feet into the right position. Now you can throw the ball accurately on time. He kind of moves into just ways that he's been impressed with Joe Milton throughout the last couple weeks there. But he starts there by saying the interesting thing, I think it helps him settle into the game, absolutely, and he said that himself. So obviously there is that communication going on between it looks like Joe Milton and the staff of saying – Hey, let's get a couple of these runs early in the game, right? Let, let's take a hit. We can do that, right? He, he he looks like a tank out there on the field. He can yeah. afford some and maybe gets those competitive juices going a little bit more. I think anybody who's played a contact sport, right, no matter at what level, I'm not saying that I necessarily have. <laughs> I mean, come on now. But I think that a lot of people have, right? Yeah, you, you kind of get, you know, that, that – you kind of get that burst of energy once you get hit a little bit, right? It takes you a second. I I think you land in the dirt, you get back up. Now you've got a little bit more fire. So I think that's obviously what's going on here with Joe.
2: Yeah, I just look at it from a broad standpoint. And look, it's the back half of the season. You got two losses already. It's Joe's last year of eligibility. Like, use him. Use, Use him the way he's meant to be used. He's a big guy. Run people over. And like, I feel like a lot of the hesitancy towards that is risk of injury and all that. But at this point, like, you know, just go for it, and and it, it. I think it helps Joe too because it gives him that fire. It gives him that confidence when he, you know, bulldozes somebody like he can. So, and it brings a certain intensity to the Tennessee offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And one thing we've seen, you know, just kind of more of than just a, oh, get him going early in games. I think they've used him in short yarded situations as a runner the last two weeks. They should do more. Yes, more <laughs> than we. I mean, I don't hardly ever hardly remember seeing them the first whatever that would be, seven games at a season uh, using him that way. And they've used him a lot that way the last two weeks. And then, again, hard to say if it's a direct correlation between these two things, but Joe Milton has been, I was, I was going to say so much better. And it, here's a little look in my, into my mind. I was going to say so much better, and I was like, eh, maybe not. And I thought, no, it is. He's looked so much better extending plays with his legs and either making throws on the run down the field or picking up some yards running than he has. I've ever seen him in a Tennessee uniform the last two weeks. So I don't know if getting getting involved in the run game early is the reason for that. Um, But when you talk about the reasons Joe Milton has looked better the last two weeks, I mean, to me, that's the thing that stood out. He's gone from a guy that even if he does have the pocket presence to get out of the pocket and extend the play, you're not expecting much you know, good to happen or anything real big to happen. To he's had a couple big third down scrambles for first downs, and he's made some some great throws on the run to win the squirrel white for a first down two weeks ago at Alabama. And then obviously the play we already mentioned the Dante Thornton last week, which was to me the best play he's made in, in his Tennessee career, if not uh, and if not that uh, at least this season. Uh, when what came in a big part of the game in the third quarter when Tennessee's offense was kind of stalling out and struggling that whole quarter. I think that was the second drive, the two of three the second of three drives they had in that quarter and it was the only one that scored on and it. it was basically solely because they got in field goal range on what was, you know, about a 40-yard 40 40-yard 40 gain. Yeah.
1: Guys, before we get into uh some of the non-game topics of conversation cuz we got a few here today, not a ton. This won't be the longest podcast we've ever done. Uh, but just Coming up this Saturday, once again, number seven Tennessee, six and two on the season, three and two in SEC play versus UConn Huskies, one and seven uh, so far on the season. Coming up twelve o'clock noon on Saturday, ESPN's matchup predictor is giving Tennessee a ninety-seven point seven percent chance to win, uh, and Tennessee is a thirty-five and a half point favorite going into the game uh, with an over under of fifty-four point five. Any other quick wrap up thoughts on the game coming up this Saturday before we expand to the SEC a little bit?
2: Nothing for me. Yeah, I think we hit most everything. Hey,
1: real quick. I just mentioned it. Number 17, Tennessee. Yeah. That's a difference. If we had been, if we had recorded this podcast on Monday, it would have been number 19, Tennessee, uh, from the AP rankings, but we get the first college football playoff rankings coming out last Tuesday, Tennessee lands at number 17. Again, two spots higher, uh, than they were in the AP rankings for the week.
2: Yeah. Uh, I thought it was about the right spot for Tennessee. They are the sixth ranked SEC team out of six teams From the SEC in the poll. And all those other five are, what, top 12? 14. 14, yeah. That's right, LSU LSU was 14, 14, that's right. Um, And then there's three top 10 schools. Uh, I thought Ole Miss at 10 was, uh, I'm not going to say too high, because I I feel like I may pick them over Penn State if they're on a neutral field, but it was uh, a little bit surprising, I guess, just to see Ole Miss in the top 10. They've had a good year. Um, So, yeah, I I felt like the rankings were about what you'd expect.
0: Yeah, and when they had, I know they were getting a lot of flack for having Georgia at two because I think the committee, Boo Kerrigan, I think is the committee head, and he was talking talking about, so we're looking at quality wins and Georgia has no quality wins. Well, their next three games are against teams in the top 20, and yeah, it's like, I wouldn't, not that the rankings were crazy off or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if the college football playoff committee was trying to inflate those teams a little bit uh, to justify their Georgia ranking here in a couple weeks, but again, I don't think you really need to, but
2: well, I wouldn't say it's like a gauntlet or anything, but it is a tough three game stretch. Yes. I mean, it's, it's their three, three hardest hard games, games. Oh, of absolutely. Season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I honestly think, look, Ohio State doesn't play anybody until totally the game. And if Georgia wins these next three, they're probably number one heading into rivalry week.
0: Yeah. So, I'd say so. But again, it's like all these things. It'll work itself out.
2: Yeah. Unless Michigan just trounces Penn State, maybe they're one.
0: Well, were they number three? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. If they annihilate them. Yeah, but that's the Very other thing is that w- one of
1: those two teams going to leave the top four, you know, between Michigan and Ohio State. So you think who who who's going to be that last one to get in? It kind of feels like it's going to be Oregon, despite you know if they be Washington.
2: Hey, Washington to me should have been that four, but they weren't. Yeah, hey, uh, if I was going, I'd have done Ohio State, Florida State, Georgia, Washington. Uh, say that again. I would my top four right now based off of resume. And just what the CFP ranking should be would have been Ohio State, Florida State, Georgia, Washington. I'd have Michigan at five. They haven't played any Okay, Michigan at five. Even though I'd think yeah, Michigan's they, they, probably they, the best team in the nation. You sure. see what I'm saying? Them
1: and Georgia both, back, back yeah. half heavy for the schedules. Yeah.
2: yeah. Who do you guys think is the final CFP, your top four, at the end?
0: Uh, Again, man. I still think it's Oregon. I, I, I oh, think they fine.
1: disrespected Washington right off the bat by saying... <laughs> You probably have either the so, best win or the second best win, but we're still not
2: going to even put you in the initial ranking. So, so so they're your four when it's all said and done, heading into the CFP. Who? Oregon is your fourth? Yeah. I th- okay, I who's think your other three? They go with.
1: Uh, Georgia. Okay. Ohio State.
2: So you think they beat Michigan, okay. Or are you putting both big 10 schools in? And Florida State.
0: Yeah. I'm going go Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Texas. Texas? Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself.
2: You think Oregon's going to – Or I mean, I could see Washington losing to USC this weekend. Not, you're here first. It back <laughs> back against the wall. Against the everyone's wall. counting you out. Hungry dog runs faster. That's right. <laughs> Teams turn on a different little gear, and they still have Caleb Williams against a bad Washington defense. Yeah, that'll um, be a competitive game. I bet. I, I just don't see Oregon losing. They get three of their last four at home.
0: Maybe, but if do, they, beat do they get? Does a one-loss Oregon get in over a one-loss Texas? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess their so. resume. They're already ranked higher.
1: Yeah, maybe so. I know which is which is crazy. Yeah. Fun to look at. It's fun to be in this time of the year. It's also fun that we'll eventually move to
0: a 12 team playoff. That is true. Uh,
1: because that eliminates. It actually is good. This year would be a good these, year for it. Yeah. But
0: you still I'm don't so like glad. It? No, I mean, if it, if it ends up like this every year, then I, I guess I'll come around to it. But it's like we're going to get so many bummy teams in the playoff. Bummy. Bummy teams bummy. that have absolutely no business playing for a national championship. <laughs> and they won't play for a national championship. No. It'll just mean Georgia and Alabama and Florida State and. I guess not Texas, USC, all, the, all these teams, Ohio State, Michigan, they can bumble around all season and do whatever they want and be fine. That's that's all it's going to do <laughs> for the most part.
2: Wait, do you, okay. Do you agree that the Pac-12 has been the best conference this year?
0: Yeah, it has a, I guess as a, a whole. Yeah. It has the most quality depth. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah I do too. I
2: was just curious. It
0: is kind of it's kind of, it is very funny that the conference has been so bad for, I know. So, for so long and then their last year. And it just goes back to what we all know. We talk about it all the time. It's just it's quarterback's game. Yeah. The the quarterbacks in that league are so good, and that's why the conferences is, is the best, or at least we all believe it's the best in college football this year.
1: Jumping back to the conference that that we know the best has two two top fourteen matchups coming up this weekend. Two? I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Not something you get every week. Uh, you have number twelve Missouri taking on George number two Georgia in Athens. Uh, that's going to be a huge one. That's CBS three thirty game of the week. Uh, and then 7.45 p.m. again on CBS, Number 14 LSU taking on number 8 Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Man, those
2: are two huge games right
1: there, and there's going to be a lot kind of uh, that falls into place depending on
2: the winners of both of these games. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, man. Jaden Daniels is a, is just insane. So can he? He's kind of the front runner right now, isn't he? I think J.J. is okay. slightly, but, yeah. Uh, to me, it should be Daniels, but the only reason he's not is because they have two losses. Two losses, yeah.
0: But it could very much come down to whether they win this game. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I
2: absolutely. Because if they win, I think that's it's your, all there's because there's your Heisman of James moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. like that's
1: that's what Hendon Hooker had last year right. going into that season, right? You need that that signature win, that Heisman moment. Doing it on the road in Tuscaloosa would certainly give you that right there. Uh, let's see what what else do we have on the docket? Uh, yeah, Missouri
0: Georgia's the other. Yeah, Missouri Georgia. That's, not, that's a big one for these. Not East. a surprise here, but. Las Vegas, not a Missouri. I was believer. gonna say, do, do do you think that the Tigers could cover the line? What I, is 15, it? 15. 15 in favor 15? of the Dogs. Not Missouri believers, which I'm not surprised. No, I hadn't even seen. I hadn't even seen this line, and someone had texted me last night, asked me what I think the line will be in Tennessee, Missouri, and I was like. Maybe Missouri by a field goal, and they were like, "Wow, you don't, you don't think Vegas believes in Missouri?" I actually, I hadn't even seen this line. I was like, "No, nothing, <laughs> nothing I've seen all season mi- suggests to me that Missouri or that Vegas believes in
2: Missouri." Yeah, you know, this is really good for Tennessee that Missouri and yep. Ole Miss are so good, not so good, but are good and highly ranked. Because you know Georgia's Kirby's going to have the boys fired up that they're number two and not number one. Yep. <laughs> big game against Missouri <laughs> so and true. Athens. They're going to get up for that. Then they got to <laughs> turn around play a big game against Ole Miss. So they're just going to be expending a lot of hype energy these next 2 yep. weeks and then Tennessee's and if that they win, third one. And if
0: they win both of those, yeah. they're that Tennessee game, it's not going to be for the East. They'll Georgia will have already locked it up. Right. It's it won't matter nearly as much for them. So you no, know, you're absolutely right. The schedule falls really good for Tennessee to rest away because you get Missouri after they go to Georgia and get beat up and you know this is the game is not that, you know it'll be a big game for Missouri next week too. But this is the game. Missouri's hyped up we can win the SEC East if we win this game. Exactly. They're going to go on the road We'll see what happens. Maybe it's they play. So maybe they play Georgia really close again, but I think they'll probably get beat somewhat handily uh, by two touchdowns, around where the point spread is, and then they'll have to get everything back up again for a game against Tennessee. That's obviously still important, but not as important as the Georgia game, and not as important as it would have been if Missouri beats Georgia. So between the Georgia playing Missouri and Ole Miss before Tennessee, and Missouri getting Georgia before they face Tennessee, I think Tennessee gets some pretty good breaks uh, with the way the schedule falls in November.
1: You guys, won't even ask you score predictions or anything for the game coming up this weekend. Tennessee, UConn in Knoxville, Neil Stadium. We will have those predictions up on the website tomorrow, which will be Friday morning. Uh, but until then, we got to wrap this thing up. I know it's been a little bit of a shorter podcast for us today, a little bit less to talk about, a little bit less on the docket. The other thing is just we got to go talk to Josh Heupel here in about 20 minutes for his final press conference of the week, which as you're listening to this, you can go ahead and find that press conference over on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube account, which reminds me to just go ahead and remind you to be following Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, obviously YouTube as well, uh, but we will have you covered there. We will be there at... Neal Stadium for the game coming up against UConn. We will be in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center on Monday for Tennessee basketball season opener against Tennessee Tech. There's just a lot going on right now.
0: A lot going on. Busy, busy time of the year for sure. So we'll have you covered on uh, everything Tennessee athletics you need to know. Yep, that's absolutely true. Hey, plus,
1: all right, I'm going to be selfish. What? I got a World Series championship to celebrate over the next couple of days, yeah, so man, I will I be even, soaking. I don't even know so why you're soaking here. Soaking that in. I don't even know why you're here. Well, it took me a minute to wake up
2: and bull- I think
0: we might have bullied him into coming a little I, bit. I, 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 I saw the I reminder love, I text. Love the, today. Uh,
2: I love the text just behind the curtain a bit. Ryan, 10 o'clock today, me. Works for me, Rick. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so good. That was my reaction.
1: Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for hanging out on the show today. A fun one as always. Be sure to go check out Ryan and I's Tennessee Basketball Season Preview Podcast. That is over on the platforms and on YouTube right now. Otherwise, we will see you back after the UConn game, expecting to talk about a Tennessee big victory. Let's see if we're talking a little bit of Nico Iamaliav afterwards. A lot of interesting things to look forward to for this game coming up on Saturday. Otherwise, it'd be good. Have a great weekend. A lot of sports to consume, so go ahead and make yourself comfortable and get that all done. We will see you back this weekend. For Jack Foster, for Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. Be good.